0: Do you know this mind state where everything you see, or hear, or otherwise perceive, appears boring? I am in that state recently. I can move to any place in my apartment, turn my head into any direction. Whatever I see, I know so well that nothing surprises me anymore. Maybe in order to see something new. I would have to lie on the floor and look at the furniture from below. I can even open all of my cupboards and I will not find a single item which I have not seen hundred times. And my brain has stored all the details. Now, it is not too surprising that a mind state like that exists. During our whole lifetime, our brain has built up a more and more perfect model of our surrounding world. And when we are turning our head, Our brain is constantly predicting what we should see and only if there is a major discrepancy between the model and the data coming in, the brain will produce a kind of surprise signal. So if you are moving for a long time within the same environment, it's no wonder that the number of surprise signals will become very low. And due to the corona crisis, I have been trapped. ...within my apartment and in the close environment for a quite long time now. But the problem is worse than that. Because our brain is also a very good classifier. Because the brain cannot afford to waste processing power... ...it often does not investigate all the tiny details of an object... ...but it simply classifies it... ...and then we just perceive the object as a member of its class. So if you are walking in the forest and different trees come into your sight you will mainly register this as tree 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 and you can only leave this superficial way of perceiving the world by actively deciding to pay more attention so for example you could stop walking approach a tree and examine all the details the shape of the roots the stem and the moss covering now The older you get and the more you have read and learned, the better your world model becomes. And eventually you will also be able to classify more abstract things like ideas or theories. So, for example, when I'm searching in the internet for new articles in science or in philosophy, I now very often think, ah, I have read something like this before. This is just a variant of this and this theory. And so it only happens very, very infrequently that I encounter some information which appears really new. Now you might say, so what's the point? Isn't it a good thing that we understand the world better and better as we become older? Well, I'm afraid not. First of all, I think it would be quite dangerous to assume that once world model is already good enough it is normally a much better attitude to assume that you have so far understood only very little of the world and that most of your beliefs may be wrong but for me the main problem with this grown old world model is that my brain stops to produce surprise signals anymore and as a scientist I'm kind of addicted to surprise signals I'm not sure actually how many other people are also suffering from this problem of constant boredom. But in this episode, I would like to talk about ways to overcome this. One possible solution would, of course, be to increase your search radius for new information. So you might simply spend more and more time on the internet and try out more and more different types of web pages, read more and more books, listen to more and more podcasts. I have tried this strategy and, of course, if you tap into a very large number of information sources, you are bound to find from time to time a new nugget of new information. But you will encounter diminishing returns over time. The number of new informations found will scale sublinearly with the number of information scanned. The second possible solution to the boredom problem would be to focus on a small part of the world, but then to zoom in to all the tiny details. So let me tell you a small example from my personal life here. Already since the very beginning of the Corona crisis, I have made it a new habit to go for a walk every single day. And I wanted to be able to start walking directly from my apartment door. I didn't want to use any bicycle or car to go to a nicer place. And in addition, I gave myself a time slot from between 30 minutes and one hour for this walk. And these two conditions together led naturally to uh, around 40 minutes round course, which leads me along a nice small river and through a part of a wood. And so I'm repeating exactly the same walking way every day. To make it a bit more interesting I am changing the walking direction from time to time. Now this was bound to get boring eventually. It took quite a long time until it happened, because I am really really good in repeating the same patterns day after day. But eventually I had the feeling that I really know every single tree along the way. To fix this I zoomed into all the details. For example. At one point I got obsessed with all kinds of plants that are using trees as their place of living. You know, plants that are using a tree as a scaffold and are for example climbing up its stem. Or simply moss covering uh, a tree. So for example I try to figure out which parts of a tree are most likely to get covered with moss. This indeed led me to the (laughs) discovery of some small statistical patterns. But to be honest, it didn't solve the boredom problem. And then I realized a more fundamental problem behind the boredom problem. Because what I'm really longing for is happiness. And I just wanted to use the kick of new information as a means to become happier. But this seems to be working only to a certain extent. Novelty is not a reliable source of happiness. Think of it. Our brain is constantly building this hierarchical model of the world. And it is grouping similar objects into the same class or category. And as soon as we encounter an object, the brain is comparing the incoming data with the model and it produces only a surprise signal if there are any differences. If there are any differences, the brain model is updated and so next time we see the object, there will be no more surprise. So the frequency of these surprise signals will go down over time and if this is the source of your happiness, the happiness will also go down. In other words, the object is still there waiting to make you happy, but you are not able to receive this happiness because you are just interested in whether this object is updating your internal model of it. This is not very skillful if your goal is to become happier. Wouldn't it be great if you could perceive an unchanging object and be continuously happy with it, even so you don't learn anything new? Something like that is absolutely possible. For example, on a sunny day, I can look up the blue sky and enjoy it endlessly. Or I can listen to certain music pieces again and again, enjoying them the same amount every time. Or it's the same with some of my favorite foods. I don't need to change the recipe. So why do I often feel bored in my apartment, but not when I look up the blue sky? you might think that it's simply easier to enjoy a piece of nature compared to the artificial objects that are found in our apartments. But on the other hand, we can enjoy pieces of art repeatedly, such as novels or movies or music pieces or pottery. I think the difference is in the mental attitude. When you are looking up to the blue sky, You don't expect to see anything new, right? And you don't expect your favorite music piece to sound any different when you listen to it repeatedly. Of course, you can approach everything with an analytical mindset. You can listen to a music piece with a very high level of concentration, maybe focusing on a single instrument and trying to find some nuance which you haven't been aware of before. But then you are again in this novelty-seeking mindset, which is useful because it helps you building a model of the world, but at the same time it's not guaranteed to make you happy. Novelty-seeking means that you are not satisfied with the situation as it is now. You want the situation to be different. You want to find something unnormal, something beyond your present model. And this thing may come or not. So you make your happiness depending on some random thing. And that this is not a good strategy has been known since a very long time. For example, it's one of the starting points of Buddhist philosophy that we should not make our happiness dependent on any external conditions. For example, if your happiness is depending on certain material possessions or on success in your job, or in a certain life partner, then you may lose these external conditions anytime. You can work very hard and try to maintain your environment in a way that perfectly suits you. But the state of this environment depends on much more factors which you have no control over. And so sooner or later, you will lose the things which are important to you. Okay, now this is the opposite of what I talked before with my boredom problem. In the boredom problem, you have not enough change in your life. But of course, you can also suffer from too much change, especially in a direction that you don't like. But in both cases, you are bound to suffer sooner or later because your happiness depends on these external conditions. Anyway... What I want to talk about in this episode is this difference between the analytic mindset and this other one, which I may call the sky gazing mindset. Somehow, I have the feeling that the sky as an object of perception has a few special properties which may point us to the reason why a constant object can make us continuously happy. First of all, the sky is vast and structureless. It's also motionless, except you have some clouds drifting by. And it is clear and bright. When you look at it, you don't need to strain your eyes. You can make your eyes soft and relaxed. And this relaxation of your eye muscles has an immediate Relaxing effect on your mind as well This is very different from the situation when you sit in front of your computer hunting for new information Where your eyes are focusing on letters jumping from section to section choosing between images to look at In the sky there is nothing to choose It doesn't require any action from you The sky is nothing which threatens you and at the same time nothing which you should possess. The sky is also something which is already in its perfect state. It doesn't need to be improved any further. You can leave it as it is. You can stay yourself as you are and you are happy. Just gazing at it. When you gaze long enough even the difference between the sky and you will vanish. There will only be this blue expanse, nothing to understand, nothing new, just the same blue as it was always, but a perfect blue. For me, there are many parallels between sky gazing and listening to music. In particular, listening to music, which is very dear to your heart and which you know very well, because you know it already. You can approach this music with a similar attitude as you have it when you watch the sky. Your eyes relaxed, maybe you have a headphone on, and you don't need to do anything. You just let the music act on you. Modify your consciousness. It modifies your consciousness in a way very similar to what a good meditation would do. Your thinking stops. Your worries stop. Your expectations stop. You forget your role in your life. And you may even forget your individual existence as a person. So just similar to the way the sky and you became this blueness, now the music and you become one single thing. Some emotional, beautiful, perfect thing. And this is such a relief to get rid of this dressy mind and to become this vast, beautiful thing. Well, I don't know how much you are into music, but I have a couple of pieces in my collection which reliably bring me to tears when I listen to them. And this does not usually happen in my regular meditation. And of course, other forms of art have quite the same kind of power. Literature, poetry, paintings, pottery, even food. Believe it or not, but one time I came to tears eating some food. This was in Japan and I had one of these kaiseki dinners, so a very long meal with maybe eight or ten courses. And since I come to Japan for already 25 years, I was used to the very high quality of food there. But this specific kaiseki dinner was <laughs> otherworldly. Anyway, I have the feeling that no matter which kind of art you experience, when you come to this point where you forget everything and just experience this extreme beauty, then I think this cannot be very far from the state people are aiming at when they are meditating. Maybe I would not have made this connection if I had not listened yesterday evening to some YouTube talk of the non-duality teacher Rupert Spira and he said something like that besides the normal paths of spiritual development there's a not so much known path which is the path of beauty and I have to listen again to this section and maybe get some books about this topic, but I just wanted to let you know that in case that regular meditation is not your thing, how about getting completely absorbed in an art form and coming to a state that far transcends your normal life condition in a very regular and reliable way?